0: There's a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America, Can We Talk? with Debbie George Addis. On America, Can We Talk? we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America, Can
1: We Talk? starts now. And good evening and welcome and happy Easter to all of our listeners. I hope you had a lovely Easter day and happy Passover. To those who celebrate Passover, just... Very grateful to be talking with you on Easter 2018. Well, this has been my well, first five is always short. This is America Can We Talk, and I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and we always have a very short first five segment. And I wanted to just use the first five tonight to celebrate how exciting it is that in America we're seeing a resurgence in interest in producing and, and in interest in watching more religiously based movies. And I think that for many families who have just not enjoyed Uh, the limited uh, choices they had available that they thought were okay for their kids, uh, who have wished movies would would reflect more of our our Christian culture in America. Uh, We've had just uh, great things come out. I will tell you, recently I saw uh, Paul, Apostle of Christ, uh, saw this past week. Uh, My husband was out of town, so I had a girls' night out with a friend, went to see Paul, apostle of Christ. And honestly, it was really, uh, it was very well done, well acted. And, you know, for people familiar with the scriptures, just loved hearing the, uh, you know, just the the staying true. I don't, I'm not going to claim everything in the movie was precisely, could be proven, occurred exactly as it was said, you know, uh, through the scriptures, but the notion of the life of Paul and the life he led spreading Christianity and uh, the suffering that happened uh, in his life, suffering under, the movie opens when he's actually, Already in prison in um, in Rome, and the uh, Emperor Nero has burned half of the city down and blamed the Christians, and so the Christians are being persecuted and martyred and um, and falsely accused. Um, and then uh, so it, then they go to flashbacks in his life, but it was really I mean it was a great crowd at the studio, and I just really I, I it was a very upbeat thing I thought to have a pretty major production come out. Uh, at Easter time, uh, celebrating one of the central figures in Christian history. And then, many of you have probably seen the I Can Only Imagine movie, and that we were going to go see this past week, and for a variety of reasons that are not that interesting to share, we could not, because our air conditioning went out, we had to wait for the repairman to come instead of going to the movie, but anyway, um, we have not yet seen I Can Only Imagine, but this idea of um, Christian-based movies uh, having popularity uh, outside just the, you know, there have been many Christian-themed movies over the years. And they tend to open in smaller theaters and to limited audiences and limited engagements. And the notion that these movies are uh, attractive enough to Hollywood, attractive enough to movie go- theaters, that people are actually going to them and enjoying them um, I think is a great step forward for for America and for kind of re-embracing uh, in America the Judeo-Christian culture of our founding. Um, I do want to see I Can Only Imagine. I uh, had many friends comment. It was a great movie. haven't seen that. But, you know, it gets down to, as we're here in this um, celebrating this Easter, wrapping up the Holy Week, um, that there's really a um, more conversation in America about the uh, connection between our Judeo-Christian founding, the ideas America was founded on, And politics today, I mean, where we are as a country that we we, we've had uh, kind of an argument for decades now that, you know, religion belongs in this corner of life and that there is, you know, the rest of life is just a big political discussion. I mean, in the political world. Um, And there's been uh, just a uh, a more comfortable uh, reopening, I think, in American political conversation about the idea that many of the issues we face uh, in America, they have answers uh, in the scriptures. They have answers in the uh, in the Bible and that the Judeo-Christian founding of America should be shaping how we look at issues. And another thing that I think has been more commonly discussed um, is the idea that, you know, in America, this I, I dedicate my show, America Can We Talk, to preserving the unique greatness of America, that there is a need um, in America to recognize that the Judeo-Christian founding of our country blesses everyone, everyone from know anti who are atheists who are a member of any other faith or no faith at all or they're agnostic or they're you know reconsidering their faith Whatever, wherever you are the roots of judeo christian culture were not created the the, the rooting of america judeo christian culture does not mean that we make laws demanding that people comply with uh, <clears throat> the teachings of the uh, christian faith it's not like in muslim majority countries where Sharia is is woven into the laws of the country and where there is punishment for failing to comply with those there there's a uh, there's there's been an effort by the left to try to say that assertion of christianity 's place in shaping america's structure and values and our culture uh is somehow repressive and it really has not been repressive in america and and it is by contrast very repressive for people living uh in Judeo- in, in muslim majority countries especially where Sharia the degree to which it has been woven into the laws of those countries, it is a repressive force. And we need to be sure that we insist as Americans that you know that the presence of the Judeo-Christian ideas in our founding really have blessed everyone, blessed the given freedom to everyone in America, not, um, not somehow been repressive. And so we're going to explore tonight. I think in my promo for this show, I said something about we're going to talk about the state of faith in America, and we are going to do that today. I just uh, tonight. I just want to say I love talking with you every week about what America is, what it stands for, what our job is in America, in standing up for the um, the, the founding of America that keeps all all Americans safe. So tonight we're going to be talking about. The persecution of Christians around the world, some of the persecution of Christians in America, but also celebrate the vibrancy and health of the Christian community in America, which is really true, too. And, of course, we're going to hit because, you know, this is America. Can we talk? We're most certainly going to talk politics. So come back after the break. I'm Debbie and This is America. Can we talk?
0: The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org.
1: and start saving lives today.
0: Can you hear us now? And welcome
1: back to America Can We Talk. I wanna say again, I cannot encourage you strongly enough if you you know we don't go to movies that often. I mean and I actually love all sorts of kind of movies. I I do enjoy the real adventure movies. I actually like the Mission Impossible ones. I like the, the Born Identity ones, and I like a lot of uh, movies. But I, I am very grateful for the, um, just the willingness to make movies that reinforce uh, Christian um, morality and, and tell the stories of the Bible, the Christian stories of the Bible, especially this one, uh, as I mentioned, Paul, Apostle of Christ, which is an excellent movie. Well, transitioning to where we, I said on my a little promo for the show, I wanted to talk about the um, state of faith in America and, um, you know, like to state of the union, state of our faith. And I think it's a really interesting thing. My lawyer background gets me into thinking in these terms before I talk about these cases. I want to tell you about some cases pending in America today. Actual litigation where people had uh, a, some kind of threat to them uh, based on their faith. And just, uh, you know, put it in a larger context of what America is supposed to be. So to be very clear, so we all know what the First Amendment of the Constitution which uh, is, you know, governs the the land in America. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I'm gonna leave it off there because we're just talking about religion. This in this, um, so there's always a ba- a balancing act, a, a, sometimes a conflict between, you know, standing up for. A free exercise of religion, protecting free exercise of religion, um, which the government's not supposed to prohibit you from doing, uh, and the idea of Congress not making a law respecting an establishment of religion, the idea that Congress can't make a law and saying from now on we're all going to be, you know, everyone in America must be some particular religion. So there's that tension in the First Amendment. I would say in recent years, and I don't mean just recent, I mean maybe the last 40 years, there has been far more... Um, Supreme Court litigation, Supreme Court decisions that come down on um, they will permit the um, a, the uh, interference with their the um, with the free exercise of religion, in order to be sure that they are in the most extreme way interpreting the portion of the First Amendment that says that Congress can't make a law establishing a religion. So it seems like we're so worried, with the courts so worried about the uh, idea of religions being forced on people by the states or by the government that they will tolerate impact or tolerate the um, limiting of the free exercise of religion. So uh, what I want to talk about, first of all, is to mention a fabulous organization here in North Texas. Probably a lot of you know it. Uh, It's called First Liberty. And for our listeners in Arizona um, and in um, Colorado, this is a nationwide organization, First Liberty, They are the premier organization in the country representing individuals and organizations who have their free, their uh, religious freedom rights uh, impacted, challenged, limited in some way. They represent people who are trying to defend their right to freedom of religion. Well, one very cool thing happened. I wanted to mention Kelly Shackelford, who is the founder and head of First Liberty, recently got a pretty, pretty prominent award. He won an award for jurist. Jurist, like J-U-R-I-S-T, Jurist of the Year, and and he's described as making groundbreaking efforts, groundbreaking efforts for religious freedom. And so First Liberty is prominent in the country, taking all sorts of cases. They have a unique model. Um, I I do another radio show occasionally with him, and so I see him fairly often. Um, In any case, they chose him for this award for someone who just is speaking up for religious freedom uh, in America, and previous winners of this award, it's quite a prominent list of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Senator Cruz, um, U.S. Attorney General Ed Meese. So point of it is it's a very prominent award. And I want to talk about some of the cases. And the reason why I do this, especially on this Easter Sunday, is in addition to just celebrating the Christian faith in America, we should all be, and part of my, my effort every single show, what I talk about all the time is defending the unique identity of America, and that means defending all of the Bill of Rights, and to holding uh, government accountable. That their job is to protect our God-given rights, to to not limit those God-given rights in any degree more than absolutely necessary. I mean, you still can't yell fire in a crowded theater, so those kind of limitations. Now these rights are absolute, but the rights of freedom of speech um, are just as uh, vital as the right of freedom of religion. And to have a free exercise clause have some vibrancy to it is is fundamental to preserving America. So just so you know, some cases that go on in America that you might be surprised um, actually make their way into the courts and and how the courts rule. There's one case involving a high school football coach, Coach Kennedy, and this is a football coach who, um, you know, uh, he's a form, he's a veteran, and when he uh took took this job as a high school football coach uh he really committed himself he was going to continue thanking god for all the protection and grace in his life so coach kennedy public high school coaches a football team and he did at the end of every game uh he would go uh take a knee on the field and give 15 seconds 30 seconds max 15 seconds just thank thanking god thanking god for you know for whatever i, I assume for his team safety, for not being injured, for the, for the opportunity to coach. It was a very brief, silent prayer, not seeking media attention, not asking to have it published in the newspaper, not trying to draw attention at all. But there was a, um, he ended up being uh, fired from his job because his school told him that they've been contacted by the anti-Christian crowd that don't like to see a coach praying in public. And so, and and I should say, some of the players joined him, and then some players did not. He never arm twisted. He never said anything about it. They just some of the players who were also uh, strong believers uh, joined him on the on the field. So, what happened? To this coach Joe Kennedy was that he lost his job, and um, the first time he did this kneeling on the field, but it was two thousand eight. He waited for, waited for the players to clear the field, took a knee, silently thanked God for his players. He did this for every game. So the school district told him he could not pray on the field uh, because he was a, an employee of a public school and it might be interpreted by somebody as he was praying on behalf of public school, which is seen as praying on behalf of the state, which might be an establishment clause problem. So he just can, he did continue to do it and he finally got a, an official letter from the superintendent of the Bremerton school district. Um, and, and, you know, basically telling him he had to stop praying after the games. This is September of 2015. Uh, First Liberty, the organization Kelly Shackleford runs, um, sent a letter uh, to the district in October then, and next month and just said basically he's allowed to pray in public. This is not, you know, this you, you can't tell him he can't pray. So I'm going to short circuit a bunch of these steps along the way. But uh, First Liberty brought a complaint uh, on behalf of the EEOC or, or brought a complaint to with the EEOC. But the bottom line is the most liberal federal district court in America, appellate uh, court, the, they're called circuit courts, the federal appeals courts, the Ninth Circuit, uh, voted in approval of the termination of this coach being fired for praying in public. And so Coach Kennedy has lost his job, and uh, his cases now have been to the Ninth Circuit. So it's a federal appellate court level uh, where the Ninth Circuit just said um, the court argued that uh, Coach Kennedy's prayers were not protected by the Constitution because he was praying as a public employee rather than his private personal capacity. And, you know, you might think, and I know the reaction a lot of people have to a case like this. You just think, well, why can't he just knock it off? Why doesn't he just stop doing this? Why doesn't he get in the car and, you know, sit and pray in his car before he drives home? Why does he have to do it in public? And But the whole notion that we are going to expand the First Amendment to the Constitution to say that a silent prayer by a public school employee constitutes an establishment of religion shows you— that where we are, so we are so far down the path of making sure there's no inkling of faith permitted, of expression of faith permitted by the state by public employees, um, and and therefore his free exercise is. I mean, he's gonna he has lost his job over this. So right now, where it sits, the Ninth Circuit has has confirmed his um, his ter- ter- being terminated as a coach, and uh, there is now I guess consideration of taking it to the Supreme Court. I actually meant to look where we are, and that I think that there's a contemplation of taking it to the Supreme Court. The, um, but I, I want to be sure just to make the point, I'm going to hit a couple other cases that the First Liberty people are um, are bringing but I, uh, in the next segment, but I want to tell you just why this I think this case is so important. I, I do radio shows they' are Christian radio, and I enjoy that. We've talked about them in depth here in my show. We're pretty much talking about America um, and all of our freedoms and the idea of preserving America. But what Coach Kennedy is being told by the government is any expression of faith by a public employee constitutes an establishment of religion. So, what if you're a school teacher and you wear a cross? You're a public school teacher. You like to wear a cross. That's what your symbol of your faith is. Is that an establishment of religion? Is it an unspoken statement? There are. All, or if you are you're a school teacher and you silently bow your head in prayer before your lunch in the cafeteria, before you quick eat your lunch, you're not holding prayer group. You're just, is, is that an establishment problem? And I, what I'm getting at is the idea of a group like First Liberty and those who advocate for freedom of religion are really pointing out we've gone way too far down the path of saying any expression of religion or religious faith by a public employee can be an establishment clause problem. This is very problematic in America. This is the, this is the system of government in America saying, we actually don't tolerate the Christian faith in this country. Um, so I don't know if Coach Kennedy's case to go to the Supreme Court or not. I hope it doesn't. We can, I hope it does and hope they reverse it. When we come back to two other cases that really have to do with where do we stand in America and actually preserving freedom of religion. Debbie George S., America Can We Talk. Come right back.
0: Faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington, or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country. Based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more.
4: If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org.
1: and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org.
3: There's a lot of talk today among media in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land, but who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield.
1: And welcome back. Debbie George Addis, Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. I was going to mention one thing about Passover, and I didn't get to it, but my husband and I uh, went to Israel a year ago um, in February. And one of the great things that we got to do, my husband's business partner is an Israeli citizen, so he's been many times. It was my second trip in February. And we did and um, had the great blessing and uh, kind of unique opportunity uh, to meet um, the rabbi of the Western Wall, which is a very prominent uh, rabbi in Israel. We, we tour the tunnels, which are uh, right next to the Wailing Wall, the tunnels that, as you know, Israelis do, they they dig down, they save things archaeologically, mind-blowing stuff. You can go down, you walk down these tunnels, and you're walking, it's like walking through history. And then we had the great opportunity to meet the rabbi of the Western Wall, have a conversation with him, with a translator, because um, he doesn't speak English. But um, So now we get his weekly, um, or I get his weekly emails. And they are so precious you know there and so he sent a, a lovely message for passover a lovely message about you know the passover season in israel and how important it is and and so um i, I just really appreciate that and i also appreciate um that there are christian pastors that we know um who who uh you know obviously embrace um uh, Easter and, and the resurrection of Christ and, and all the crucifixion and resurrection, but they also teach their congregations to honor Passover and have a honoring of Passover, which is, you know, a, a, a beautiful story in the Old Testament. It's, it's the same God as the one God who was saving um, the uh, Jewish people in their um, exodus from enslavement in, in Egypt. So anyway, love Passover, uh, love um, Easter. I was going to t- do also before we, because I know we end up, um, sometimes I don't get a chance to say every um, Sunday how much I appreciate being on air um, also in Phoenix. I wanted to say hello again to our listeners in Phoenix at 960 a.m. The Patriot. I'd love to be on a second hour. We only have the first hour on right now on, on 960 The Patriot. Uh, love and appreciate our listeners in Colorado Springs. And thank you for your emails. AM 1460, FM 101.1, The Answer in Colorado Springs. And, of course, my home station, Here in Dallas, 660 a.m., The Answer. I really appreciate all of our listeners. You can always reach out to me, and people do. You can email me um, at americacanmetalk at gmail.com. Love talking and getting emails (laughs) from my listeners. I also encourage you to go to our Facebook page. If You you may be watching this on Facebook, but in case you're just listening, our Facebook page is a very active, ongoing conversation about uh, all the issues facing America. The Facebook page is America Can We Talk? We put all of our Sunday shows out on the show, uh, Facebook Live. We also, my Wednesday podcast goes out on our Facebook Live um, at America Can we Talk. So I love doing that. And I also want to thank our sponsor. My show, America Can we Talk, is sponsored by GC Works. Simply could not do the show without them. GC Works is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Couldn't do it without them. So very grateful for uh, GC Works. Okay, you know, on this state of our faith in America, I want, I'm just trying to make this point about, you know, I, I, the show we en, we have endless guests on, you know, border security and tax policy and, and you know, refugee policy and family, supportive families, and uh, the idea of the Tenth Amendment and tax policy. We cover everything that impacts or could impact the precious, extraordinary idea that is America. And because it's Easter Sunday, I really want to focus on religious freedom in America and because I think it's just you know we, we can lose sight of how much religious freedom is threatened around the world um and and here in america we we may not adequately appreciate that we live in a country where it is just written into the core of our founding documents, the first Amendment uh, language that says you know two things that have a competing attention between them, but again, they say Congress can make no law respecting an establishment of religion that's the establishment clause and then, or prohibiting the free exercise. So that's a free exercise clause. We've gone too far down the path of thinking every symbol, signal, word out of a public official's mouth or out of a public school teacher's mouth or out of any, or any, any significant, any, any signal of prayer or uh, faith in the public arena is somehow offensive to the idea of freedom of religion. And um, I, I think that's just very, um, it's very harmful to America. It's, it's a wrong interpretation. It's failing to give balance to the free exercise clause. We've talked in the case, in this, on the this show in the past about the cases, <clears throat> excuse me, about a um, you know, Christian-owned business, a, a bakery, a photographer's business, a florist, people who provide services for weddings who have decided that their, uh, their service, they do not wish to volunteer to provide that service at a same-sex wedding for the reason that they are that same-sex weddings violate their faith, they permit customers of every kind. Their businesses, they sell anything to any customer who comes in. When it comes to participating in same-sex marriage, these business owners have said, <clears throat> "You know, please go down the street and, um, and and there's another person who can help you. You know, this, this violates my faith." And so far, we've struggled on that. We don't have a clear ruling from the Supreme Court on whether or not we can actually say. Um, that the free exercise clause permits a business owner to make that decision. I think it's indisputable that the free exercise clause permits that. But we'll see what the Supreme Court says. One of the cases I wanted to mention, and again, these are really healthy conversations in America. These are healthy conversations about the just priority, the importance of, um, you know, what our Constitution means, what the First Amendment means, what freedom of speech means, what freedom of religion means. You know, there will always be people who want to repress and suppress speech. There will always be people who want to suppress religious freedom. These people will always exist in society. It is one of the founding ideas of our country was to say that actually these are primary, primal to the founding of our country, rights from God, given to us by God, and the government's job is to protect them, not to weigh and balance and say, well, maybe this, but not that. So there is a, it's an important and a vital part of maintaining our, our precious country, to have these discussions and to, and to come down the right side of free expression and not treat religion as though it just is, as must be you know that any signal or, or friendliness toward religion must be immediately um, by a government official or in any official capacity must be, um, must be shut down. There is a case I didn't bring the details to talk about. I want to talk to you about the uh, Bladensburg Cross case in a moment. But there are cases still pending about whether or not a local city council uh, county council, you know, government agencies can start their meetings in prayer, which has been done since the founding of our country. We have had meetings of all kinds of officials starting with prayer. And there was one case, and I actually don't know if it went to the Supreme Court, but one, um, I believe it did, but one case that said it did not violate the Establishment Clause to permit prayer at the beginning of a city council meeting. But that these kind of, uh, so there is one case out there, but there are cases pending again today um, uh, numerous cases pending against local government bodies who've always started their meeting with prayer, who usually have the a different uh, representative of some faith come in and offer a prayer. And the idea that even uttering a prayer at a public meeting constitutes the establishment of religion, which is what the left argues, which is what some organizations who are just dedicated to eviscerating religion in America. The Freedom From Religion Foundation is one of those organizations. Um, they have other organizations who just are dedicated Not to protecting the right of people not to have faith, but they are dedicated to shutting down people who wish to have an expression of their faith. So those cases pending. The other one I was going to mention is Bladensburg Cross Memorial, and Bladensburg is a city in Maryland. And it's funny because we actually lived in Maryland before we came outside of Washington D.C. before we came to the great state of Texas in the year two thousand. So in Bladensburg, there's been a memorial, a forty foot cross, a Christian symbol, forty foot cross placed uh at it was a war memorial um and I'm meant to have <clears throat> excuse me I meant to have the information in front of me, but um the it has been there for decades, and the American Humanist Association, another one of these anti religious groups American Humanist Association sent a letter to the Maryland, Maryland National Park and Planning Commission demanding the cross be removed. Where that case stands now is that the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals again federal appellate court, has agreed. That this 40 foot cross must come down and so this is a cross it was a war memorial and the thing is let me just point out this little fact if you and this is not people are not required to worship there they're not required to go to church they have to drive by and see a cross driving by and seeing a cross is is the argument is is an establishment of religion well if you can't have a cross on public property which is what this case is saying. And this case is going to be uh, I hope it's going to be heard. It's going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. I hope it's going to be heard. But what this case is saying is if you can't have a cross on public land, what about Arlington National Cemetery? Just picture that the the you know sea of white crosses, small crosses, you know memorializing the markers of thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans who fought and died for our country, that is obviously national property. It's Arlington National Cemetery, crosses mark almost every grave there. There are some graves that have markers uh, of Jewish faith, Islamic faith. It's not like they don't let anyone or any family choose the marker they want. But if you're going to say a cross on public land is a violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, what is the answer to Arlington Cemetery? There is no answer, except, of course, if the Supreme Court were to confirm this case, or from this case, to say, yeah, all crosses must go. Okay, we're going to zip off to break in just a moment here. When we come back from the break, I'm going to have joining us Dr. Jerry Johnson of the Religious National Broadcasters talking about a new cause, a, a cause he's behind, which is called Save the Persecuted Christians. Very neat thing. You'll love hearing it. Come right back.
4: America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans. In the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now.
1: And welcome back to America Can we talk? So I'm so happy you've tuned in this Easter night. And we are speaking now, as I mentioned before the break. We had a guest joining us. We are being joined tonight by the National Religious Broadcaster President and CEO, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I believe we have online. Hello, sir.
5: Hey, it's great to be with you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate that. Well, the reason I was wanting to talk with you, um, I became familiar with an organization, or um, it's really more of a new movement called Save the Persecuted Christians, and I thought it would be a really great time to introduce that to our listeners uh, on this Easter Sunday. That I think that this idea that there are persecuted Christians in Amer- in the world is honestly a little bit unfamiliar to many people. They um, might even be surprised by the name of this uh, movement, So, uh, and you are part of heading it all up, so I'd love to have you tell us what is this Save the Persecuted Christians all about?
5: Well, uh, it's really about waking up to... Um the sad news. You know, Christianity Today, which is the sort of magazine of record for evangelical Christianity, and just a year ago in 2017 said, this is the worst year yet in the history of the Christian church for persecution. And uh, this year in January, Newsweek, which is no conservative Christian publication, <laughs>
1: yeah.
5: uh, in January said this, that the persecution and genocide of Christians. Across the world today is worse than at any time in history, and uh, just one other. The Huffington Post just uh, did an article saying Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. So uh, we need to wake up to this. Um, there are about 250, 15, 215 million Christians that are in high, very high, or extreme persecution conditions. According to Open Doors, so the fact is, uh, it's it's a reality, and uh, the first th- the first step is just to be aware of it.
1: Yeah, you know, I will mention for our listeners all the articles we're going to talk about tonight are posted on our website, AmericaChemTalk dot org, and I do inc- encourage you to read these because what we're talking about, I, I, Dr. Johnson, I completely agree. I think there's so many people who just would be surprised to hear there is such a significant problem, and 215 million. Uh, under the serious threat of persecution, uh, I mean, you think where could that be happening? You picture little pockets in the world, but well, let's talk about the the bigger trouble spots, the places you would point to where this uh, around yeah. the world.
5: Well, uh, you know, Open Doors does a list every year of sort of the worst offenders, and uh, you know, North Korea has been at the top of the list, which is very interesting because uh, you know people say, well, why are they being persecuted, these Christians? And there are really three three reasons. One is, you know, sort of the atheistic, communistic states. So you've always had North Korea and China. North Korea has been at the top year after year. Uh, China has been in the top 50. Uh, but this is, you know, you can't have a totalitarian state, a communistic state, if there's some other God besides the leader. <laughs> you know, the only way. Yes. That yep. Power. So if you say Jesus is Lord, that's not going to work for them. And that's always been a problem. Uh, communism. Uh, Of course, Hinduism is reviving in terms of its um, strength and persecution and just the force, uh, particularly in India. India has moved to the number 15 spot, which is very interesting. People think of Hinduism often as peaceful in America, but it is actually uh, very violent in the north of India. And we just previewed a movie, movie called Stains, which is coming out uh, we just previewed that at NRB. It's about the missionary named Staines who was burned alive with his children in his van by a bunch of Hindu radicals. Um, so that's happening. But the number one reason people are being persecuted is Islam. There's just no doubt about it. It is Islam. When you look at the Sharia code, um, when you look at the blasphemy codes, and you know, essentially a death sentence for anybody who converts from Islam to Christianity – This is why, you know, Pakistan is now at the top. They've replaced North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen. So I've listed the top uh, eight right there, and they're all Muslim. And so, you know, we've got to wake up. I mean, we talk a lot about terrorism, but uh, this is really, you know, a different dimension of the problem uh, with the Islamist agenda, which is, um, you know, you cannot become a Christian in these countries.
1: I'm so— Yeah, I definitely want to go back and talk about the Hinduism thing, because I did read an article about your presentation at CPAC, and you you mentioned that in that, this idea of the return of radical Hinduism. And honestly, I was thinking, God darn it, that's like one faith I kind of always thought. You know, I don't understand it very well, but they're pretty peaceful. They stick to themselves. But I, I was amazed by that. But I do want to go back to the threat to uh, Christians in the Middle East. And, you know, as all of us know, especially here celebrating Easter Sunday— you know, the the Middle East is is the uh, the birthplace of Christianity, the, the home of the Christian faith and, you know, the, the presence of Jerusalem located in Israel and the middle of the Middle East. Well, you had in one article talking, you had some numbers, uh, just rough percentages about, yeah. yeah, go ahead.
5: Well, look, I mean, we've got to remember in, in this Holy Week, you know, this is where Christianity began. They were first called Christians in Antioch, which is right there in Turkey, but actually part of old Syria right there on the border. Paul was obviously converted on the road to Damascus, or actually it began at the road to Damascus. I mean, so we're talking about Syria. So, you know, Debbie, 10 years ago, excuse me, 100 years ago, let's say in 1900, there was a robust 10% population of Christians in the Middle East, 10%. It is definitely below 5 now, and in many of these regions, it's down below 3 And a lot of folks are saying it's going to be 1% to 2%. In just you know three or four years. So this, um, so here's some striking figures. So for instance, in 2010, 450,000 Christians had to leave Syria. Uh, in 2010, 93,000 Christians had to leave Egypt. And here's probably the biggest one. In 2003, you had one and a half million Christians in Iraq. Since then, a million have had to leave. Uh, probably three-fourths of the Christian population just gone. So this would be called genocide, if it were any other group. And I'm saying one of the things we need to do is call it what it is. It is genocide. It's time to wake up. It's time to pray. It's time to get uh, involved. We've got this pastor in Turkey, Andrew Brunson. I mean, we need to just not talk about numbers, but people. Here's a guy who was in Turkey, you know, I think for around 20 years, Christian pastor. But uh, Erdogan is wanting to return to the Ottoman you yep. know, Islamic, Turkey, and to him, being a Christian or evangelizing is an act of terrorism. You know, and so he's its very sad. He's put this guy in jail, Andrew Brunson, and they're not going to release him. He was just sentenced, and um, it's very dark, but we need to pray for Pastor Brunson today.
1: I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm glad you're mentioning, you're right, sometimes the numbers, and uh, they are just statistics, but the, the personal story of one individual or, or numerous yes. where you can— picture their lives and, and the, the choices they made in their life growing up, lives growing up to dedicate themselves to Christ, to spread the message, to share the gospel. And, th- and that should be rewarded with, you know, uh, you want that re- rewarded and not a decision that ends up um, co- costing you your life or at least your your freedom and your safety. Um, I appreciate you spoke at this panel at CPAC, and I've talked about CPAC on the show before, but you were talking there about alerting people. This is a conference of, of cr- conservatives in America but alerting us to call it genocide, which I love that you're saying again tonight. This is not, it, there's somehow we have, um, there seems like Christianity putting Christianity in genocide uh, doesn't doesn't uh, register with people, but it really is what, what's occurring. So what do you, I, I agree wholeheartedly on everyone praying about it, but what do you, on your mission and this uh, Save the Persecuted Christians mission, what should the, the church and the world be doing?
5: Well, you know, I'm uh, president of something called national religious broadcasters nrb yeah. one of our core mission points is to defend free speech the first amendment the freedom of religion and so this is really in our wheelhouse debbie because uh, the, you know the first freedoms is the freedom to believe and the freedom to speak so that's what we're about at nrb but this uh, this website is save the persecuted it's just that simple so people can remember this save the persecuted what we're asking people to do is go to this website to see how to be aware how to pray but there are a couple of things they could do one is is to you know you wear the pin or put the bumper sticker for the noon symbol the nazarene symbol that is to just sort of in solidarity stand with these persecuted christians in the middle east uh but uh there also is a place there where you can get a banner for your church, uh, or for your business or organization, which says "Save the Persecuted Christians." Uh, Save the persecuted Christians, because uh, some people may remember many years ago a campaign called "Save Soviet Jewry." Not jewelry, but Jewry. <laughs> During the yep. Cold War, yep. there was a lot of persecution against the Jews, and uh, this was part of the Reagan Pope Thatcher. Um, you know, push back against the communists. Uh, It was long term. I mean, it wasn't a year, but it was a 10 or 20 year project, really. But creating awareness that this was an evil empire, an evil system persecuting Christians and Jews. Well, it's time to say, you know, Islam, uh, the political ideology of Islam is, um, is persecuting Christians. Historically, that's been the case currently. We're seeing a resurgence of it. We need to stand against it.
1: I love it. We're speaking with Dr. Jerry Johnson. I'm so grateful he was available on this Christmas. Uh, on this Christmas, okay, Easter night, and uh, it is uh, he's NRB president, the National Religious Broadcasters president and CEO, and and spearheading this this effort to save the persecuted Christians. I love what you point out about the nun pin or symbol, and you can get a, a banner to put in front of your church to put it out to draw people's attention to the persecution of Christians around the world. Dr. Johnson cannot thank you enough for calling in. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. and I love what you're doing. and I also noticed on the um, uh, on the website you'll see when we uh, if you go to americantal dot org you'll see this article listed. But the other prominent Christians backing this effort, uh, Reverend David Barton of Wall Builders, uh, Jerry Boykin, Family Research Council, Frank Gaffney, Center for Security Policy. Uh, There are just, in fact, I'm proud to say many people have had on my show, Kelly Kohlberg, American Association of Evangelicals. There is just a big effort in America of, of faith leaders, a broad spectrum to awaken the world, awaken America to the idea that actually Christianity is a persecuted faith around the world, and it is in the same way we, we speak up for all sorts of groups who are persecuted, discriminated against. We need to be alert as in, in America that there is a, a widespread persecution of Christianity around the world. And it really is a calling for each of us in our hearts to understand how can we help with this? Can we wear a pin? Can we tell people? Can we expose this, this concern that we all have? Can we get a sign, save the persecuted Christians out in front of your church? Or I guess you wouldn't put in your yard a massive sign. You're I might not fly with your neighbors. But the, the notion of being alert to it, spreading the news, encouraging your pastors to talk about it. So that we all are just more tuned into this reality in the world today. So I want to be sure and share that on this Easter night. this this uh, is a uh, celebration uh, of protecting Christianity. I'm Debbie George. This is America. Can we talk? Come back after the next hour. The next hour.